Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. One time while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the Word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there along the lake shore. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. He sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we worked hard all through the night and caught nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were about to tear apart. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For Peter and all those with him were amazed at the number of fish they had caught, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Have no fear. From now on you will be catching people. After they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. We pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Friends in Christ Jesus, who is the preeminent fisher of men. There's just something about the sport of fishing that lends itself to storytelling, isn't there? There have been dozens, hundreds probably of novels and movies written and produced about fishing and fishermen. Um, we just visited a, a lake cabin uh, up north a couple weeks ago, and, and I think this is a pretty common feature in many lake houses and cabins is that the, they have a sign in there somewhere that says, Fishing Stories Told Here. Why, why is there a link between fishing and storytelling? Well, I I suppose it could be that a lot of fishing is just sitting and waiting, seeing if something comes along and bites. You have a lot of time to sit there and think. It could be that a lot of times fishermen come home empty-handed and they have to have something, so at least they can come home with a story. Or maybe it's just men seeking to justify the fact that they spent all day on the water rather than completing their honey-do list, that leads to the, the concocting or the fabricating of stories. Honey, you wouldn't believe it. It was huge, but then right as I got it the boat, I lost. I would love to stand up here and tell you one of my fishing stories, but given my track record, I think what... Worm drowning. That's about all I accomplish. So it's a good thing you're not here to listen to my fishing story. You're here to listen to Jesus' fishing story. And it's a rather strange story when you look closer at it. First, there are a couple of literary details that will help us to to place this story into its proper context. The first one is kind of buried in the Greek. In the translation, it says, One time Jesus was at at the Lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. There's actually more to it than that. This is a solemn... Greek uh, expression brought over from the Hebrew, it's kind of like in a Disney movie when it starts off, once upon a time. So Luke is trying to get our attention here. This is the same phrase, the same introductory phrase that was used twice in Luke 2. And it happened. 
Once upon a time, Mary was about to give birth to a child, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Luke is grabbing our attention. He's saying something big is happening here. Also, well, I'm sure you've all heard sermons that focus on how this is all about Peter. And Peter being sent out to become a fisher of men just as he was caught by Jesus. It's not really about Peter doing anything. It's rather more about Jesus catching Peter. Five times we hear the, the, the name Simon. Uh, James and John, they're simply referred to as Simon partners. And when Jesus does issue his commission to be apostles, he looks directly at Simon. This is about, this is not just about evangelism in general. This is about Jesus calling and catching Simon Peter. Which leads to the first strange part of this story. This wasn't the first time that Jesus went fishing for Peter. In fact, this story takes place probably about a year after the first time that Jesus went fishing for Peter. Not on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, but on the, the shores of the Jordan River. Peter had been following John the Baptist, but he left John the Baptist when his brother Andrew came to him and said, We found the Christ. And Jesus said, This one is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter had followed Jesus for at least a few weeks, if not months after that. Changed water into wine. It seen Jesus cleanse the temple of all the, the commercialism and materialism that had taken over there. He had heard Jesus speak, preach the, the Sermon on the Mount. But here's the strange thing. Now that Jesus is up in Peter's neck of the woods, where Peter lives and works, and he's preaching the gospel on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he's gathering in schools of lost souls with the net of the gospel, where's Peter? He's with the other fishermen washing their nets. I mean, the saving gospel, and Peter is not interested. He's got better things to do, he's got nets to clean. It kind of seems like Peter actually left Jesus at this point, that he left discipleship, that he had gone back to his day job and didn't want anything more to do with Jesus. So Jesus does what any fisherman does. He goes fishing for this fisherman. And kind of in a backhand way, I, I imagine it's kind of like you parents, you know when your child is just not getting what you're telling them, stop doing that. So you try to redirect them. You say, hey, come on over here, help me with something. To try to get their mind off of whatever they shouldn't be doing. So Jesus, in a similar way, says to Peter, put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. Now, sadly, we don't have the text of Jesus' sermon before us. But we can be sure from, from the other sermons of Jesus that we do have, that he was not telling the people how they can make themselves right with God, how they can earn God's favor, or merely how they can have better marriages or have better behaved children. He wasn't teaching them how they could have their best life now. No, Jesus was teaching what he always taught. Law and gospel, sin and grace. He told them bluntly, you are sinners who are worthy only of God's wrath. You are doomed to die forever in hell and there's nothing you can do about it. Don't ever think that by obeying the law of Moses you can make yourself right with God. Rather, I am the way and the truth and the life. Only by trusting in me can you escape God's wrath 
and enter into eternal life. The people were eagerly eating this up. Jesus was casting out the gospel and and they, they craved it, they wanted it. Not Peter. He doesn't seem to be interested at all. He doesn't seem to think that this saving gospel message is for him. So then Jesus stops teaching the people. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now this is another strange thing. Peter's a professional fisherman. He knows there are at least three good reasons that he shouldn't be out fishing in the deep water with his nets during the middle of the day. The first reason is, is as we will see later on in the story, out in the deep, you have to let down your nets too far and they become too heavy. They didn't have nylon like we have now. And they start to tear. We see that later on in the story. The nets start to tear. Peter didn't want to lose his nets for no good reason. The second reason you don't go fishing with nets in the deep water during the day is because during the day under the sunlight, the fish can see the net and they can, they can avoid it. That's why Peter had been fishing at night because at night the fish swim blindly into the net and they can be caught. The third reason Peter didn't want to be out there was because he had just been out there all night. Hadn't caught a thing. All he wanted to do was finish cleaning the nets, get some rest, and get ready for another long night of fishing. It didn't make any sense to Peter to go and cast his net out in the deep water during the middle of the day. And he lets on that he's not really happy about this. That he doesn't really want to be in a boat with Jesus trying to, to accomplish what he thought was a futile task. The first way we see this is he calls Jesus master. Now that's a a term only used in the Gospel of Luke. In secular Greek language, it refers to a slave master. Or if you think of of a a camel jockey whipping the camel, that's that's what this was like. So so what Peter was saying is, all right, boss, Jesus, you're the boss. You tell me what to do and I'll do it even if I don't see any meaning in it. that Peter feels like he's in trouble. That Jesus is kind of taking him out in the middle of the lake to scold him. We see this in the sense that Jesus said, you, plural, go let down your nets. And and Peter says, I, singular, will let them down. He's kind of like a bratty kid in that sense. He's saying, all right, I'll do it. Just leave me alone. I'll listen to you. Just drop it then. He's afraid. And he should be. He had abandoned Jesus. He had left him and gone back to his day job as a fisherman. And now you can understand why he would expect that Jesus is here to drop the hammer on him, right? To berate him, to yell at him, scream at him. I think he kind of felt like a student called into the principal's office or maybe maybe a church member who received Listen, we need to meet. We need to talk about but you've been neglectful of the means of grace, hearing the Word of God and receiving the sacrament. You know that feeling, right? Ashamed, embarrassed, afraid. That's how Peter felt. He's out in the deep water. He's he's wandering around. He's lost in his own unworthiness and sinfulness, a lot like Isaiah in our first lesson. Jesus is an expert fisherman. 
all expert fishermen know that, that when you're fishing in the deep water with fish that don't really want to be hungry, you might have to change up your tactics a little bit. You might have to use a different kind of bait. So that's what Jesus did with Peter here. He had been casting for him for a year, trying to lure him in to bring him into his inner circle. And even though Peter had already witnessed many miracles of Jesus, had witnessed Jesus casting out demons and healing the lame and giving the blind their sight, Peter had even just a few days before witnessed Jesus get rid of his mother-in-law's fever. He had personally witnessed the power of Jesus' word, and yet he still didn't want anything to do with it. So Jesus changes up his tactics. Goes right to where Peter is concerned. He's because he didn't bring in any fish all night. And so Jesus performs a miracle, filling their nets to the point of breaking. What all those other miracles couldn't do, what, what Jesus' sermons apparently hadn't done yet, this miracle did. Filling two boats, actually, with fish by the simple but powerful word of the Lord. This is what finally got Peter's attention. This is what finally got him listening, made him perk his ears up. But it only gets stranger there, right? Think about his reaction. When Simon Peter saw the great catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. Peter acknowledges Jesus as Lord and God and Savior, but he commands him. This is an imperative here. He commands him, Get away from me! Isn't that a strange reaction after Jesus had just filled his boats with fish, why would Peter command him to get away? What was he afraid of? Well, it's amazing. He wasn't afraid that the boat was sinking out from underneath his feet. He wasn't afraid that he was going to lose his nets because they were going to break and the fish would be lost. He was afraid of Jesus. He simply couldn't believe that this was happening. He knew his sinfulness. He knew he had abandoned Jesus. He knew he didn't deserve to get anything good from Jesus. And, and he's stuck in that unbelief. He's stuck in that unbelief that says, Jesus is holy, He is the Lord, and I, don't earn, I, I can't expect anything good from Him. Do you ever feel that way? Like the best place for Jesus in your life is as far away as possible. Do you ever feel afraid of Jesus? Timid, like he's calling you into the principal's office, getting ready to scold you? Ever feel like all Jesus wants to do with you is, is expose sin, rub your nose in him, and then yell and scream at you, you better do better, you little sinner? Ever think that, that coming here for worship or taking time for daily devotions or, or training your children is more like a reporting for duty, more like punching a, a time clock than it is what the Lord says it is, a break, a vacation, release, freedom, rest from your mundane day-to-day work of washing your nets or whatever it is your occupation is. It's so easy for us to get the wrong idea of Jesus that just because He is the Lord and He is holy and He is the God Almighty who will judge the living and the dead, that we need to be afraid of Him. That we need to stand in fear of Him that our sins have disqualified us from being in His presence. Now, in a sense, that's right, isn't it? 
He is holy and we are not. We don't deserve on our own to stand in God's presence. In fact, when we come here willingly, voluntarily into the presence of Jesus, when we invoke the name of the triune God, we should expect to be struck by lightning. We should expect nothing more than for Jesus to yell at us and berate us and call us filthy sinners and finally condemn us to death and hell. But at the same time, and here's the irony of being a sinner and a saint at the same time, of being justified and yet being sinful at the same time. That kind of fear, that kind of abject hopelessness, that kind of cowering and cringing before the Lord has no place in a Christian's heart. No, in fact, that is a vestige of the original sin. When Adam and Eve in their minds accused God of not giving them what was best for them, they thought there was a better way. They thought that they could eat that forbidden fruit what God had given them, they were accusing him of not being what he claimed to be that is good and wise and gracious. And when we have an attitude of fear, cowering before the Lord, afraid to come into his presence, that's despair. And despair is unbelief. And that's a sin. That's a sin that, doesn't, that shouldn't lead us to telling Jesus, get away from me, get out of my life, all you make me do is feel guilty and afraid. No, that's a sin that needs to be brought here and confessed and repented of. We need to repent of thinking that Jesus is just another Moses who came with sharper, more forceful laws. We need to repent of, of thinking that our time here, our time in His Word on our own, is just a matter of punching the clock. It's a matter of trying to get God back on our right side. We need to repent of approaching Jesus through the law. Because there is no approaching Jesus through the law. We are not worthy to stand Understanding what John 1.17 tells us, God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Yes, we are just as unworthy, we are just as sinful as Isaiah and Peter, but our good Lord came into this world to save sinners, to go fishing for sinners just like us. That's what Jesus was trying to prove to Peter with that boatload of fish. That Peter, it's not about your worthiness or unworthiness, it's rather about my love. For you, my undeserved love for you, even fish like you that go running away from me. I'm still here. I'm still fishing for you. I'm still your Savior. The weirdest part of this whole story, I think, is Jesus' words to Peter, right? Have no fear. These are words of absolution, these are words of forgiveness, these are words of restoration. Jesus telling Peter that no matter what you've done, no matter what you think, no matter what you've said, I am still your Savior because your salvation isn't about you, it is about me and what I have done for you. That's really strange behavior, isn't it? I think if I were Jesus, I would have said, fine, Peter, go on, do whatever you want, I'm done with you. I'm not trying to fish for you anymore. But Jesus doesn't give up. He persistently even for this fish that's not hungry. That's called 
grace. And grace isn't something that we just read about in in a fishing story like this. Grace is something we experience each and every day of our lives under our Lord's gracious hand. Can you even count all the blessings, all the proof of Jesus' love that he has poured into your life? The boatload of blessings that he has given you to prove, I am on your side. You don't have to be afraid of me. You start with life and breath. Our hearts would not yet be beating if it wasn't for our Savior's love for us, his mercy and compassion. Clothing and shoes, food and drink, spouse and children, land and home, your cars, everything. That just scrapes the surface. But that's not even the best of the blessings that Jesus gives us to prove his mercy for us. He has given us eyes to be able to read his word. He's given us ears to be able to hear his absolving word of forgiveness. He's given us skin that has felt the the cleansing water of baptism. And which he gives us now to prove that he loves us. All of these blessings and more the Lord gives us to prove his love for us. To prove that we haven't disqualified ourselves from his grace because it was never dependent on us at all. Even for fish like us, fish who love to flop out of the boat, fish who like to go off in the other direction, fish who often aren't hungry for the gospel. Fish who often improperly view Jesus through the lens of the law as a terrifying judge rather than a good shepherd who wants to save us. Even for fish like us, Jesus persistently casts out the net of his gospel so that he can take us with him to our home in heaven. It really is a strange fishing story when you think about it. The strange part is not that fish like Peter or us would go wandering away from Jesus, abandoning him, because that's our nature. We are sinful to the core. We are incapable on our own of seeing Jesus in the right light. We can only see him through the lens of the law as a terrifying judge who we should get as far away from as possible. But Jesus continued. This is a strange part, right? That Jesus consistently, persistently for us. That even though we're unwilling Jesus couldn't be more willing to call us his own, to bring us into the safety of his church, to give us the assurance that our sins are forgiven, and to take us at last home to our heavenly home with him at his side. It's a strange fishing story, but it is one of the best fishing stories ever told because this story isn't just about Peter. It's about how the Lord has found each and every one of us and taken him into the safety of of his kingdom. Amen.